Good morning, everyone. Children's Church, you may not leave yet. <laughs> uh, my name is Cornell Cannon. I'm uh, part of the Word Ministry here and one of the leaders here at New Covenant Fellowship. Uh, I am not the pastor. Uh, if you're, if this is your first time visiting here, we welcome you. Uh, we thank you for coming to fellowship with us and giving us an opportunity to get you, to get to know you. Um, I would uh, ask you uh, out in the hallway, the table uh, near the two to three year old room. There is our visitors table. Uh, we have some cards that we'd like for you to pick up and uh, fill out. And um, uh, they're not going to become mailers. We're not going to be bombarding you with stuff. We just want to get to know you, give you an opportunity to get to know us. So uh, we can potentially enter into a relationship with one another and be a blessing to your life, okay? So um, uh, our pastor, CJ, and, 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 and First Lady, his wife, Lisa, are in Canada uh, at uh, Howard Katz Church there. And I just believe that they're already tearing it up in Jesus' name. Amen? So uh, we just send our... Our, our blessings and prayers with them, and we just are thankful that the Lord is using them uh, where he's using them, and, and uh, we're going to do our thing here in their absence. Amen? So, good morning. Welcome to New Covenant. Uh, children, children, you are free to go. No, wait. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I know that's not right. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I haven't even started yet, and I'm already sweating. It's almost like we had worship or something. How many of you have already been ministered to? Oh, man, we didn't do. All right. <laughs> I don't want... I don't want you to say it if it hadn't happened, but, uh, but I'm going to ask that again. Uh, some, some may be a little bit slow uh, this morning. Uh, how many of you have already been ministered to powerfully? God is so good all the time. And all the time? I couldn't resist. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 6. That's where we'll start uh, today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something that dwells on the inside of us that I feel doesn't always get the uh, recognition, the acknowledgement, and doesn't get yielded to as much as it ought to be, and that's the, the Holy Spirit. Romans 6 verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him, with Christ, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I want to ask you a question. And I'll I'll get to the to the to the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you a question. The masses that followed after Jesus, what were they drawn by? Were they drawn to him just because he was a nice guy? He was kind, said some nice words. Were they only drawn to him because of the miracles that, that he did? What about the, the prostitutes and the, 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 the tax collectors and, and all the sinners and, and, the, and the rejects of society? What was it that drew them to Jesus? They had an established religious order. There was a way that you were to approach God, and yet, they pretty much 
ignored that and was drawn to this man. I would submit to you that they were drawn to Jesus because of the life that emanated from him. They were drawn to Jesus because of the life that emanated from him. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 says this, In him was life. Say, in him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's what was in him. That's what emanated from him. There was a life that was not familiar. There was a life that was different from what people faced and what people had experienced. There was something in him that emanated from him that they knew there was something there. They knew there was something that they needed. More than just religious rules. More than what Judaism had to offer at the time. More than what the Sadducees and Pharisees had to offer. In the darkness came this man with life. His life shone like a light in the darkness. And those who were living and walking in the darkness couldn't help but be drawn to the light that shone in it. You hear me? Now, his kindness, his compassion, his love, all that emanated from that life. Does that make sense? And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He spoke words of life, and he walked in a newness of life that was attractive to those who were walking in the darkness. You know, I wrote a little note here, and I didn't know exactly where to put it, so I'll put it right here. That life that Jesus had, he just went about dispensing it wherever it was needed. The life. You know something about you? All of us who are believers here, we are to be dispensers of the life of God that is resident on the inside of us. Amen? You are to be dispensers of the life of Christ. I want to skip on down to verse 9 of John chapter 1. I'm going to go through this as quickly as I possibly can. I want to skip down to verse 9, read through 13, and it reads, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So the true light that gives light to every man had come into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I'm building up here. Raise your hand if you're in Christ. You're a new creation. Although you look in the mirror sometimes and see the same thing that, that you've resented in years past, that's not you. You play back the tape, you replay the tape in your mind 
of the thing that you struggle with, that's not you. The truth of the matter is you are a new creation. All right? Sometimes we let the circumstances lie to us. Sometimes we let the circumstances cause us to think of ourselves lower than we actually are. And I'm not trying to tell you to be prideful. You're not who you are in your own strength, but you are who you are in Christ. Amen? You are a new creation. All things have become new, and you are expected to walk in the newness, in that newness, that new life, that newness of life as a way of life. And I believe, what was Jesus doing? I know the publicans and, I'm sorry, I know the Sadducees and and all them and, and the religious order of the day were critical of him. Whenever they saw him fellowshipping or or communicating with or dining with the lost. But he was simply ministering life to those who needed life. You hear me? And I feel like as Christians, as followers of his, that should be our focus. That we are ministers of life. Does no one agree with that? Amen. We are ministers of his resurrection power, his life. And when you walk in newness of life, you are being a living testimony of the resurrection power of God. What is the linchpin of our faith? He died, right? He was buried. But what happened on the third day? He rose again, right? And so, we all believe that we shall rise again one day. Amen. We'll rise and we'll ever be with the Lord when we die. But you know, the resurrection is real even in this life. It's not something that we can wait for. It's, I tell you what, the, the testimony of the resurrection can be lived out and revealed in us and through us right now. All right? Yes, you can lay hand on the dead and they shall rise. That's testimony of the resurrection. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. But you know, your ability to love your enemy also speaks to that resurrection power that is on the inside of you. Your ability to pray for those who misuse you also speaks to the resurrection power of God, which is resident on the inside of you. Your ability to forgive another brother or sister who offends you and love them in spite of that and reconcile with them. That's evidence of the resurrection power of God that is resident on the inside of you. And I just want to encourage you, Brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you. Too often in the body, when we have conflicts that arise, all right, when we are offended directly by someone or what have you, I'll just say it, we, we get in the flesh. Come on now, we get in the flesh, and the resurrection power, the the, the life of God that's on the inside of us, that light doesn't get to shine because we elevate the flesh and we decide we want, we say justice, but we want retribution. We had this conversation in our house, uh, me and one of the ladies in my house, and I, I <laughs> Bethany is, <laughs> is, is laughing, uh, 
this this conversation got almost everybody involved. You know, it started off with me and Christy and and um to make a long story short, there was a fence. <laughs> now At least this is one time the offense that did not occur within the house. So it wasn't one family member to another. We have plenty of those, but this time it was out. And apparently, well, Christy came up to me and she was telling me about the situation. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but she was actually wanting me, you know, to just support her side <laughs> uh, husbands you know you want to be careful in those situations <laughs> but the thing about it is she was right okay what happened to her was an offense but the thing that got us all hung up was Maybe I should have empathized more. I, I wasn't empathizing as much with the offense as I was trying to elevate the good as to how she could respond in the face of that offense. And so, I don't know, I think an, an hour later, I think we resolved... The conversation wasn't a quick one, but I think we got to the, we had to talk it through because at, you know, because at first, and sorry, baby, I'm, I told you it might end up in the sermon, but <laughs> no, because at first, uh, uh, Christy was feeling like, hey, what's your deal? You're trying to give all kinds of excuses why that person, justifying that person's action, letting them off the hook, <laughs> you know? And I was like, no, we're not letting them off the hook, okay? What I said, I had to explain my heart on it, you know? I said, my heart in it is not to let the person off the hook and not to excuse or justify that person's uh, actions, okay? But as your husband and as one who loves you, I want to remind you that their actions don't dictate our response. Our response has to be measured. Our response has to be in accordance with the one we serve. Amen? It has to be accordance, in accordance with the word of God. It has to be in, accord, in accordance with what is pleasing to him. Because we are called after his name. Right? And so, Bethany got involved. Brittany got involved. It became a bit of a, it became a bit of a family affair, but it was a good time to talk. It was a really good talk that we were having. It was real, you know. So the idea came up: Well, what about justice? <laughs> you know, and what about justice? You know, are we the ones who are supposed to be seeking justice? Are we the arbiters of justice? Are we the ones? Okay, if we talk about justice, then whose justice are we going to talk about? Is it what you want done to that person? Or is it what God wants done? Whose justice are we, are we wanting to administer here? Y'all, y'all still with me? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I, I, I hope I'm not stepping on too many toes out there, but but when you think about it, whose justice are we trying to administer here? Wait a minute. I was offended. That person was wrong. And, and, and you know what? I want that person to whatever. I want that person to know what they did was wrong. And I want them to suffer some kind of consequence. But I can't say that. So I have to say, man, it just got to be, I just want justice. It led to us talking about Jonah. God said, go to the Ninevites. Right? And what did he say? He said, you know what? Those sorry son of a guns. They've, they've raided us. They've pillaged us. They've done all these things. And I, I know if I go there 
and I tell them what God said, they're going to repent. He's not going to give them justice. And so what did he do? He tried to run. He ended up in the belly of the fish. And finally, he humbled himself and went and did it. And he knew what was going to happen. He went and proclaimed the word of God to the Ninevites, and they repented. And he wasn't happy about that. Right? And I think all of us, or most of us, some of y'all probably haven't lived long enough to, to come here to go there yet, but I think all of us can relate to Jonah. We've been there at least once or twice. Where we have suffered the consequence, we've suffered a consequence through no fault of our own. Someone was just being an agent of Satan, just caused to come in to buffet us. All kinds of offenses happen. It's not fair. It's not right. Why should I have to go through this? And we want that person dealt with. But I would say this. What makes, then what makes us different than the world? How is that a light? How is that a reflection of Christ? I'm not saying, you know, don't stand up for yourself in a situation that necessitates it and so forth. But I'm, what I'm really saying is let's, let's exalt Christ in each situation. Let's take a moment to pause and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. My emotions are crying out to me to react in a certain way. And I would feel justified in my, in my mind. I would feel justified in going there with that person. But I don't represent me. I represent him. And if I was still in the world and I didn't have this Holy Spirit, this resurrection power resident inside of me, I would tear you a new one. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual. If the old me would have dealt with this a certain way. However, I'm not the old me anymore. I am a new creation. Okay? There's a light in me. Okay? And that this opportunity, uh, this situation, as bad as it is, as difficult it is, as it is to go through, it's an opportunity for the life that is in me to be, to rise up and be manifested in this situation. To where the one that I represent can be exalted in this situation. And so this situation that would normally devolve into some kind of fight, some kind of division, some kind of, you know, uh, expletive laden tirade one to another and so forth. And we go away angry, mad and, and hating each other. This situation, if I let the life of God arise in me, could turn into an opportunity to touch the heart of that individual. Reach their heart with the life of God. Amen? Where they can say, whoa, I didn't expect that reaction. I think the Lord wants us to get out of the reaction business and get into the response. Instead of reacting, respond. Because when we react, we react out of instinct. We react out of emotion. We react out of the flesh. But if we take a moment and we reflect on who we belong to, who, is, who resides on the inside of us, and the truth of God's word, we take a moment to reflect. Download from the Holy Spirit, and we actually can respond in a godly manner that can lead to kingdom results. Does that make sense? And so I just believe God is, in, God is encouraging us to walk in the newness of life that we have in Christ. And I've, I've already kind of jumped ahead, but 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Spirit of God dwells in you. 2 Timothy 1.14 says, That good thing which was committed to you, keep 
by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. How often do we draw on that Holy Spirit, that well that is within us? Todd? I'm not going to call on your brother. I just wanted to see you. I wanted to see you stiffen up. I believe that the Lord wants us to draw on that and dispense it. You know, that, I guess you can call it an argument, that debate that we had in my house uh, this week, you know, it was good. And we all ended, we all ended on one accord. So I love that. We all ended on one accord. Uh, When I first responded to my wife and I started going down that road and, and you know how it goes when someone's offended you, not only do you talk about the action, you speculate on their motivation behind the action. And never is it a good speculation. You know, it's always, oh, they had this evil motivation. And yada, and then that just fires you up even more. And so, you know, some offering, some counter motivation, some possible counter motivation. And what did you say? He was like, is CJ? I guess she was like, she was basically said, I'm sounding like CJ. And then, where is it? She pulled Johnny into it. Where is, oh, he's not in here. Apparently, you know, both of them had that similar experience going to Pastor CJ. Oh, man, let me tell you what's going on, so, so, so on. And they don't get the response that they want. Man. <laughs> and so she was looking behind me, wondering if Pastor CJ was behind her because it seemed like I was echoing him. But it's funny how God works, you know, because I was like, okay. Judgment. So if we want justice, I said, if we got justice, all right, then think about where we'd be right now. If we got what we deserved, if we got justice, we'd all be on our way to the lake of fire right now. We'd all be on our way to hell, all right, if we got justice. All right, but but thanks be to God that there is grace, there's mercy. The Lord paid the penalty for us so that we can be reconciled with our heavenly father. Amen. All right. And that's the God that we represent. Right. And so, uh, so we ended up on, uh, on one accord and then I got another opportunity I took Desiree out, my youngest daughter, on daddy and daughter time. We went to Chili's. Not a good experience. We won't be going there anytime soon. But I still gave a tip. I'm sitting there, and I'm stewing. We sat there. Our server set us at our booth. Been there 10 minutes. No one's come to ask us for our drink. We don't have menus. Nothing. I had to get up and ask someone for it. If you love chilies, just don't take it personal. You know, so God comes, the supervisor comes and gives us a basket of chips and salsa all that other good nonsense and everything. So apologetic. I'm thinking, okay, mistake. We're past this. Probably going to be smooth sailing from now on. Nope. It wasn't until we got our food that we realized we'd never been given silverware or napkins or (laughs) or anything. And I hadn't seen our server in another 10 minutes. You know, it's just ridiculous. But uh, I'm sitting there stewing, and I got my daughter with me. And just like the Lord, it's just like the Lord to remind me of the conversation that I had 
with my wife and daughters earlier in the week. Because <laughs> I was thinking about justice. I'm not going to lie to you. And I wasn't thinking about godly justice either. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me just in the nick of time to kind of keep me. Now, I'm sure my countenance, you know, wasn't glowing and all sunny and everything. But, but, I, but I was cordial and uh, respectful and everything. And, uh, you know, we finished. I had to remind myself that I'm here with my daughter. And things aren't going well uh, from a service standpoint. But this time is precious with my daughter. And I'd rather spend my energies on that relationship than to spend my energies on what's not going on. And so it's a matter of perspective, you know. And, and I just praise God and thank him for the Holy Spirit that was there to keep me in check, to keep my mind directed with what really matters. And we were able to have a good time and uh, finish our cheesecake at home. We got the dessert to go. Finish our cheesecake at home. And, uh, you know, it, it, it come, it, it, it's a story. But uh, it's not one that's a negative story. It's, it's one that we were able to endure <laughs> uh, in the Lord. But I went from being the one actually encouraging the other to let Christ arise, to being the one who needed to be encouraged myself. So you'll be on both ends of that coin. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to collect, keep my thoughts collected here and everything, y'all. But he wants us to draw on it and dispense it. I thought about a couple of uh, ex, uh, examples in the, in the Bible where I feel like two people, people drew on that resurrection power to help them in their lives. And I thought about Matthew 8 when the centurion needed Jesus to come and heal. Okay, Matthew chapter 8. And what did he say? It, Jesus marveled at what he said. He said, okay, I'll come and do it. He said, no, 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 no. I'm a man of authority when I speak. You know, those who are under me, they do, what, they do what I say. I know you are a man of authority. Just speak the word. Right? He drew on that life that was inside of Jesus to have him come and perform a miracle for him. What about the woman with the issue of blood? I'm, not, I'm just referencing these. I'm not giving scriptural references. I'm just talking about the stories. What about the woman with the issue of blood? She had wasted all of her resources trying to get herself healed, trying to get herself right. She heard Jesus was coming, and what did she do? If I can just touch him of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. She drew on that resurrection power. She drew upon that life from the Lord, and she just touched the hem, and power left him, went into her body, and restored her, and made her completely whole. Right? And I just, <clears throat> I feel like, though, that we, just think about that. Jesus hadn't died yet. They didn't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit being on them, the Holy Spirit being in them. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. They didn't have what we have. Right? So, he, so they drew up on it to draw it from Jesus in the natural, all right? It's easier for us. It's on the inside of us. Amen? It's easier for us, and God just wants us to draw on it. Remember the Holy Spirit and the role that the Holy Spirit is to play in our lives. To convict us, to lead us into all truth, to lead us into the way of the Lord. He'll do that. If we cooperate with him, he'll do that if we let him. If we'll get out of the way, yield to him and say, lead me.
I feel there is a couple of examples of dispensing God's resurrection power. Remember the man at the gate called Beautiful? His ankle bones were deformed since birth. Peter and John went to the temple about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go pray. And there he was asking for alms. And Peter said to him, look at me. I bet I could see him looking up at him like, okay, there's a promise of, there's a payout coming. And then his disappointment when he says, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. I have resurrection power flowing on the inside of me. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And that man didn't leave with his hands full of money, but he left able to do something he hadn't been able to do since the day he was born. And that was walk and live. Now he could go and provide a living for himself. Now he can go and he can go whole. He was leaping and jumping and praising God because the life of God that was dispensed to him had an impact in his life and it healed him physically. Amen. This may seem like a stretch, but I also think about uh, Paul and Silas in prison. Beaten, imprisoned, shackled. Just for representing Jesus. They broke no laws. They didn't do anything wrong. Yet they got treated like common criminals. And what did they do? They hold a worship service. They begin to praise God. And what they describe as an earthquake happened, shook the foundations of the prison, and it didn't just open up the cell doors. It, if I read the scripture correctly, not just the shell, not just the cell doors open, but all the chains and shackles that were on the prisons opened as well. So they were all free from their chains, free from their shackles, and they, any one of them could have fled at any opportunity. But somehow Paul, Silas, not only did they not go anywhere, none of the prisoners went anywhere. And the jailer waking up, seeing what had happened, he was about to kill himself rather than go through what the punishment would have been for him allowing the prisoners to escape. And Paul told him, don't do it. We're all here. You know what happened? That, that, that opened up an opportunity for Paul and him to minister into his life, and that man and his entire household gave their lives to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? How many of you Especially if you feel like you were unjustly imprisoned. How many of you if an earthquake or something happens and opens up the prison doors and frees you, wouldn't run out of there as fast as you could? I know you don't want to say it because Paul didn't and it would be it wouldn't sound right. But I I ain't gonna lie, I probably would have jetted out of there. So thank you, Jesus. What an opportunity you provided. And if that's what God's saying, do it. But God didn't have him do that. God had him stay. Because there was a work there that God wanted done. There was an opportunity there that God wanted done. That jailer needed life. Life that Paul and Silas were in a position, uniquely positioned to dispense. But they had to be willing to pay a price. They had to be willing to stay there and be a vessel in those circumstances. They did it and we saw the power of God manifested. And so 
Paul walked in newness of life. He had a lot to lose, and he lost it all while serving the Lord. But Paul counted everything he lost as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Say the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And I would conclude here today, wanting to know Christ, that tells me wanting to know Christ equals sacrifice. Paul realized that to know Christ as intimately as he desired to, Paul needed to experience the power of his resurrection in his life. He had to share in the fellowship of the Lord's suffering. Not suffering exactly as Jesus did, but just suffering for the Lord in whatever way God has for you, whatever path God has marked out for you. All the while being conformed to his death. It doesn't necessarily mean dying on a cross or anything like that, but being conformed to his death, dying to self. Laying down your life, being willing to lay down your life. Just as Christ gave himself and laid his life down for us. I feel like that's the attitude that we need to have in order for us to be continually dispensing the life of God to those who are in need. So the question we should be asking ourselves is this. What am I willing to sacrifice to know this Savior of mine more intimately. To know him in the power of his resurrection. To know him in the fellowship of his suffering. To be conformed unto his death. What am I willing to sacrifice to know him in that way? Today was a simple message and that I feel like uh, the Lord is calling us to a higher standard. He's calling us to get out of ourselves, to lay down our lives and follow Paul's example in that closing verse that we want to know you Lord and the power of your resurrection I want the power of your resurrection to be a a, a living thing in my life I want the power of your resurrection to be emanating in and dispensed to others through me. I want to be a vessel for the power of your resurrection, Lord, that I'm living it out, I'm experiencing it, and I'm letting it shine in the darkness. so that those who are open, those who are persuadable, can be drawn to you and be saved. But I'm willing to go through it, Lord. I'm willing to fellowship with you in your sufferings. I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm not looking for it. I'm not going after the suffering. I'm not wanting to idolize it and glorify it and so forth. But I'm willing to go through it. I'm willing to fellowship with you in that way because of the greater intimacy with you that'll come. I want to know you even in that way. 
And when you think about it, it ought to, if we have that attitude, it's easier to pray for those who misuse. It's easier to love those who we might consider to be enemies. It's easier to pray for whoever might end up in the White House. It's, 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 it's easier it's easier to do as unto the Lord if we're working for a boss that is difficult to work for. It's easier to practice the one another's of Scripture. It's easier to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. And I appreciate you giving ear to who was on my heart today. And, and I just trust that... Um, you heard what needed to be heard today through the jumble, through the jumping from one place to another, uh, through the uh, through the imperfect vessel and presentation. I just pray that whatever was for you, you were able to receive. You have resurrection power flowing inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You have newness of life that isn't just available to you every once in a while. It isn't just to be drawn upon whenever we feel like it. but it's resident in you. It's overflowing in you. Ready to be dispensed by you, moment by moment, issue by issue, circumstance by circumstance, day by day to where it becomes a way of life for you. Some of you may have, I want you to close your eyes and just bow your heads with me. And that resurrection power that's resident inside of you, some of you may have a hope, hope, that's died, or you feel it's died. <laughs> I just declare that hope quickened in Jesus' name. Hope that God could use you. Maybe not the way you've thought you could only be used. I just pray an openness upon you in the name of Jesus. I just pray an openness to you to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. An openness to him maybe one to use you in a way that you know not of at this moment. But I just speak life to the dead things that are in your life. You know, the dead things And I want to clarify the things that are of God, that through discouragement, through fear, through doubt, through unbelief, through wrong believing, it seems that they have just become dead, that they've died 
on the vine, and there is no bringing those things back. I want to tell you that that's a lie. What is of God for your life is still yours. What belongs to you in the Lord is still yours. What God created you to do is still possible. Those big dreams that you had that you dismissed because you didn't think yourself capable of doing them, that you thought that those dreams were too big for you to do, I'm here to tell you that they're not too big for you to do. In the Lord. That he who has called you to it is big enough to have you accomplish it. Father, I just thank you for this, for this moment. Father, I thank you for the life of God that is represented throughout this congregation, throughout this body of believers here today, Lord. I thank you, Father, for a new sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work within us. And a conviction, Father God, to listen and to yield to the Holy Spirit and to give place to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We don't want our attitudes to dominate us in situations. We want the Holy Spirit to dominate. So, Father, I just speak blessings upon uh, everyone here, Lord, and, and, uh, and I just declare that we all will partner with you, Lord, in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.